This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Joining me on the phone this week, it is drummer extraordinaire Brian Tishy. He has, of course, spent time with Billy Idol, Whitesnake, and yes, Foreigner, but he is back now with a new band called Silverthorn. Uh, the band has a video out now called Tear, or sorry, Tear the Sky Wide Open, which you can check out on, of course, YouTube. And the band includes Daniel Spree and Pete Shoulder. Now, for folks out there who know that I'm a huge, huge Thunder fan from the UK, Pete, of course, has played in Thunder. Uh, when one of the guys uh, had a bit of a cancer scare, he came in and took over. But also, he has done The Union with Luke Morley. And uh, Pete's vocals are absolutely spectacular. And if you listen to the song, uh, Tear the Sky Wide Open, guess what? The vocals are absolutely spectacular. Um, their uh, debut EP will be out soon. But of course, uh, we get all that news and all that information from Brian. And so, uh, you know what? We're going to keep this short today. Without further ado, here without further ado, here is Le Seul, Unique, the one, the only drummer extraordinaire and uh, creator of Bonzo Bash, Brian Tishy. We are speaking with drummer Brian Tishy. The new band is a uh, Silverthorn, and it includes a singer and guitarist, uh, Pete Shoulder, and uh, Daniel Spree. Uh, as we say in Montreal, uh, bonjour, Brian. How are you? All right. How you doing, Mitch? All cool here. Good, good. Uh, the last time uh, we spoke was a few years ago, so it's nice to, to, to have you on the phone again and, and have a nice chat and uh, speak music. Yeah, yeah for sure. Let us, let us promote music. You, of course, have spent some time with pretty much every band I've always ever loved. Whitesnake, Foreigner, Billy Idol... Uh, and now, and now this, um, talk to me about sort of what's the, the, the plan on this. Is this a band moving forward or is just, is this just three guys putting out a project and then you move on to the next kind of thing? What's sort of the, the goal for, for Silverthorn? Yeah, we just, we wrote one song and figured that's good enough. Call it a day. And that's it. That's all you're going to get. We're done. <laughs> That's the way to do it. No, but uh, is it something? Yeah, Mitch, where... Mitch, there was a bit of a silence there. I thought I threw you off for a second. I'm just joking. It's no, no, no. Joking. Well, all right, here, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you a little secret, and the, and the listeners can be in on this. Whenever I ask a question, the first thing I do is I hit mute so I can, A, not interrupt the uh, the guest, and also you never know if the dog's going to start barking or if there's something's going to come knocking on the door. So I always go to mute as soon as I ask a question. So. Uh, all right. Yeah, they left me a little uh, a smidge bewildered as to, oh, geez, maybe maybe that wasn't so obvious there. Maybe he really thinks we're just doing one single and we're done. Yeah. But uh, well, I'm uh, hanging uh, up I mean, on this. Forget this. No, no. Yeah. But seriously, is this because, you know, you, you've tried other projects. You've you tried the stuff with Sass Jordan and all this. And, and at some point you, you go, OK, I'm going to have to move on or, or I find another musical outlet that's that's interesting and I want to follow it. Now, you've yeah. got. OK. This, this, no, this is uh, something I'd love to see, and we have intentions on it being full time and and being a, a reality that goes and goes and goes. Yeah, that was uh, from the beginning, from uh, when we first uh, started writing. It was that, that it was pretty clear that we wanted we uh, Pete Shoulder, the singer, guitar player, and I both wanted this to uh, really get off the ground and and you know hit expectations. We 
may never have hit before, you know? So yeah, it's a, uh, and I know what you mean. Is it one of those things where, you know, guys get together, they, you know, put the, put, put some names together and do a record as a one-off for a label and, you know, maybe don't even ever do a show. I totally get it. Cause there's, there's a lot of that. No, we have a much wider and broader intentions than that. So, so uh, yeah, to answer your question, we're, we're, we're planning on being around. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Now, the the interesting thing is I uh, recently interviewed uh, Danny Bowe, singer for Thunder, and we talked about the band, and we talked about Luke Morley, and Pete was in a band with Luke Morley, the guitarist, called The Union. Um, and in fact, yes. in fact, unknowingly or unwittingly, I was listening to The Union literally five minutes before this interview just because I love that band. Uh, so, so how did the guy from Los Angeles meet the guy from the UK? How did you and Pete Scholl? I mean, I can understand you getting in a band with like a Carrie Kelly or, or a Jack Blades or somebody down the street. How did you and Pete hook up? Um, well, now that you brought up the whole uh, Thunder slash the Union thing, uh, I'll start with that first because technically that's – that is the, the beginning, but there really was no beginning. Beginning it was just a meeting. Uh, in 2011, on tour with Whitesnake, the Union opened up. I think it was our UK tour. I am merely the drummer in Whitesnake at the time. I have no <laughs> knowledge or say or whatever, or maybe even so much of an interest in all that kind of stuff because I'm just worried about kicking ass at the you know my gig. So I did. We I do remember back then coming into the venues and uh, being backstage and hearing the union play and uh, noting the singer, noting, wow, that's whoever, whoever that dude is, man, he's a badass. He sounds great. Just made a little mention of it. it. You know, through the course of the shows, I, you know, met uh, Pete and, you know, a couple of the guys in the band, I think uh, their drummer broke ahead or something broke on his kit. And, you know, we gave him whatever we had to take care of his problem. So, but that was it. That was all it was. They opened, you know, and the tour went on and we moved on to other countries and et cetera. Fast forward. <clears throat> so that was 2011. Fast forward a handful of years, five years to 2016. How this goes, this now, this answers your question. How did we get together and become this new band, Silverthorn? Back in uh, 2016, I'll make it, you know, succinct. Uh, I was doing a, a project re and there was some music already recorded for a, a, a new project with the DeLeo brothers from STP. This project hasn't seen the light of day. So, so that's, it's, that's not happening or whatever that's, but at the time STP was, didn't have a singer. We, uh, the DeLeo's and I had been friends for a while. We, uh, didn't have a singer, but we was like, ah, let's go record a bunch of songs. So we put a bunch of ideas down. One through one thing or another, Pete, we, we got in touch with Pete. Pete got in touch with them one way or another. And the, the guys heard his voice like, wow, this guy's amazing. Eventually, months later, Pete comes out and stays at my place. And we essentially make an entire record uh, end of 2016. So this carries on to 2017. We're all, you know, hopeful. We have high hopes and we're, you know, planning on this being a thing. Well, somewhere in there. As you know, you would imagine might happen. A singer comes in that's ultimately the new singer for STP. Who you know, maybe they weren't even. Maybe it just fell in their laps or something. You know, but it, it worked out where now they have a guy that they feel is the right man, right man for the job for STP. They had to make a decision, 
And uh, we understood that they chose to go down the road of STP and, and keep, keep that keep that juggernaut rolling, right? And uh, we sort of, uh, you know, while we're bummed or whatever, but you have to understand when, when you're a band like that, that, that's your life, that's your baby. And they chose to move on with it. And so what has it been? A couple of years now. They've, they've released new music, toured all over the place. You know, they're, they're doing their thing. Uh, a few months after that was decided, Pete and I kept in touch. And through hanging out with him and making this record, we I realized, man, he's not just a great singer. The guy plays killer guitar. He plays piano. You know, he's, he's just like this well-rounded, badass musician. And he's a sweetheart. This is a, this is a lead singer, frontman guy that has none of those lead singer frontman type uh, dilemmas or issues, right? So he's just a great guy. So I go, hey Pete, okay, that that didn't work out, but we know each other. We're kind of cut from the same cloth. We come from a similar background. We like the same stuff. Why don't you come back out to LA and we'll uh, you know do a little writing recording, see how it goes. He's like, yeah, let's do it. And th- and there you go. So in 2018, we did. Uh, probably almost a, the full record's worth of music. We just, you know, just kind of went back and forth and came up with the stuff. And we had my studio, you know, 100% of the time to come in here and do whatever ideas we wanted and uh, recorded a ton of music. So throughout 2018, we kind of had a couple of uh, some management that didn't work out. It kind of ate up a bunch of time. It didn't really go anywhere. Fast forward to this year, we get turned on to uh, Golden Robot Records. They like what they heard and we sign a deal and and here we go, you know, so we got our, uh, EP together, you know, mix mastered, did the photos, videos, all we did all that by the somewhere in May before I went out on tour for the summer in Japan, come home, uh, came home a couple weeks ago and you know, the singles out single came out, uh, middle of August to the sky wide open and we're a brand new band. And, uh, I, I shouldn't forget, you know, within that time this year, uh, I gave my buddy Daniel Spree a call. He's a killer bass player, singer, great guy and also cut from the same cloth grew up with the same type of music we're all you know we're all in that same little circle of interest and uh he said yeah man i like what i heard let's do it so we we when we did the videos and uh um the photos and all that stuff and we're getting it all together we did a little jam and, and it sounded amazing i was like this is you know it's a power trio that's essentially that's what we are this we, we pete and i wanted it to be daniel came in he was the final element to make it that and man i was just psyched on what we sounded like. And that's the next step. The single's out. There'll be another single out next month. And uh, we're, we're in that beginning stage of the uphill battle of being a, a new rock band in a crazy freaking music business that we're in nowadays. Oh, oh yeah. And, and, and Pete's amazing. He is such a great singer. It, it's unbelievable. Uh, well, I, that, yeah. And, and it's gotta be noted because when I had first, like I said, I heard him, from like backstage and made note of it. It was kind of like, this guy sounds like a, like a Paul Rogers vibe, you know, that, that's like one of the best singers in rock. You know, if you're even compared to somebody like that, that's pretty, pretty awesome. But when I got together and we were doing the, the other project a couple years ago, you know, now, now we're in, now we're together in a studio. Now I'm getting to hear him, you know, in with yep. all in, in, you know, for right up in front of me, getting to hear what he can really do, not only as a singer, but as a lyricist and how he works in the studio and how he uses his voice. And it's like, this guy's just, you know, this is, this is a madman. This is a badass on top of he being is. a great musician, a great well-rounded musician, guitar player, you know? And, uh, 
so so yeah, man. It's uh, it's he's he's one of those guys. I'll say, you know, for any if you haven't heard him or, or you know heard Pete Shoulder or heard you know our first single, man. He's just it's he's one of the most badass singers out there now. And and the great thing is, it is an effortless thing to him. And and through knowing him now for years, you know, I've I've come to you know he's told me you know this 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 wasn't just you know he put time into it. There's a lot of focus on getting his voice to where it is, you know? So I think they're, you know, they're like most killer singers. They probably have an, you know, a, a natural ability from the beginning. Some people just have it, you know, they have a sound, a tone and an ability to hit pitches, you know, and be in singing key. Right. You know, there's you go. But if you, Oh, I agree. You hone in on that. What's that? I, I agree totally. And, and what I was thinking also is since he's tied into the thunder camp and they tour the UK extensively, you're going to have to have him make a call to Luke or to Danny and say, hey, uh, can we have an opening slot? Because there you go. Your, your European tour can be all figured out. Um, let me move on from him for a second. We are recording this on September 25th. And of course, that is the day that John Bonham passed away in 1980. You, of course, do the Bonzo Bash. So just quickly, talk, talk to me a little bit about how John Bonham influenced you, influenced your style, and then putting together this Bonzo Bash, which, you know, I remember the first couple of times you did it, you, you just thought it was going to be, so, well, sorry, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I had the perception that, that it was supposed to just be like, you know, a pickup gig at the whatever venue it was, the whiskey or whatever, but it's really become an annual event that a lot of drummers look forward to and a lot of fans look forward to. It's not just some random jam. So first of all, congratulations on that because you've made it this this brand. Um, but what, what does he mean to you as a drummer? And, and what sort of compelled you to say, yeah, you know what? We're going to do Bonzo Bash and pay tribute to this man. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, John Bonham. And, you know, it's not just me. It's probably almost just about every rock drummer. He probably is the most important drummer in rock and roll. And and there was something about him when I was a kid starting out. Although, as uh and I although Peter Chris from KISS was my and KISS was the first band as a little kid, the first records I bought, the first albums I practiced drums to, it it was a KISS thing. You know, we're talking like third grade, fourth grade, right? But soon after all the other bands start coming in, you know, you're dealing you know, Aerosmith and Zeppelins and ACDC and all that. But in that time, when I would hear Zeppelin and it, wherever it was, you know, which would be many places because they're like the biggest band ever. But there was something about John Bonham's drums and groove. And, and I wouldn't be able to talk to you about groove as a little kid. But there was something there that was just more special to me than most most other drummers. And it, it I gravitated to him. The sound, the tone, the groove, the band, the songs, the production – Everything about it, every every single thing, and they were quickly became my favorite band of all time, which to this day they still are. So it's he is probably the one drummer on the planet that I don't that not a day doesn't go by where where I don't think of something about his drumming or listen to something. It's it's that it's that heavy, and and I'm not saying it like I'm the only one. There's I'm sure there's tons of drummers that feel the same way, and I'm probably correct in stating that because when you do decide to put on a a, a, a drum event celebration focused on one drummer, and it is John Bonham, you're gonna have a lot of people, a lot of drummers that say, yeah, that sounds a lot of it sounds like a lot of fun, and yeah, I I worship John Bonham. You know what I mean? So. 
So, uh, yeah, Bonham and Zeppelin, man, that's, that's the, the be all end all for me. That's the top of the top. Uh, Jimmy Page is my favorite musician. Uh, there's just, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's all, it's all like a, just a, a perfect, perfect bit of time where those four people came together, got in a room and made, made some noise, made some music and realized it was special and look where it went from there. And to this day, those, you put those records on and it, they just stand out. And this is obviously not taking anything away from the other amazing bands we all grew up on and love that are still huge to this day. But for me, they're the number one band. And uh, you fast forward decades down the road and I'm sitting around, like I said, I do listening to John Bonham and the little idea popped in my head it, when it wasn't a show, it wasn't an event. It wasn't, uh, uh, something you'd go see at a club in my idea was to just get a rehearsal room and put a, a replica kit of bottom drums in there get my buddies to learn you know probably know most of the songs already let's get a band together and just call drummers up and go hey man saturday night at wherever whatever rehearsal room we're gonna have a bonzo party you know and pick a song and just come up and jam like that's that was the initial idea real simple but then quickly it in my head it transferred to well wait if i actually did put time to that and drummers were showing up and we're sitting there in a rehearsal room hanging out you know like you got a keg of beer or something whatever i'm like wouldn't it be more exciting the whole idea and the whole big picture if they got on stage and were playing to fans and an audience in a club you know on in a you know let's say well i live in los angeles a club in los angeles possibly on a Saturday night. Wouldn't that be more fun? It's, you know, there's more work involved. There's more pressure, but at the same time, if you're going to do this, maybe, maybe that's the way to go. Uh, well, and then I thought, I don't really want to get into that. I don't want to be booking clubs and dealing with that rigmarole, but I happened to talk to a buddy of mine, Joe Sutton, who ultimately became my, my partner in the shows. He was working at a club called the key club in Hollywood. You know, he was you know, working that he had his own events going on there. I played drums at some of them. He had called me to, check in about the next event uh, he was doing that I was playing. And I said, Hey Joe, I have an idea. What do you think of this? You know, you put a drums, dr drums, bottom replica kit, front of the stage, you know, band around it. And each and every drummer, you know, a known drummer from a, you know, a band from a well-known band gets up there and picks their favorite Zeppelin song and plays it, you know? And he was like, cool idea, man. Sounds really, and it was that really that simple. And he goes, I happen to have September 25th, uh, 2010, because we're, this is back in 2010, like May or something. He goes, I have September 25th, 2010 open. It's like on hold. It's a Saturday night. I'm like, are you serious? It's like that easy? Yeah. He's like, yeah, let me just talk to the people at the club, make sure. Yep. He gets back to me. He goes, that's it. So so really it was, okay, well, if it's that easy, if I already have an in and I have a date, you know, let's make it happen. So it, it, looking back, man, it was really a great a great lineup of drummers, a great night. And and it was in, the intention, intention was just to do a one-off. That was really it. But uh, like like happens with these things, if 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 you if you put the time in and the reaction was positive and everybody had a good time, and it was fun and it was meaningful and and it, and it you accomplished what you set out to accomplish, you you get excited. You might want to do it again. And and being that we have the NAM shows out here, the music conventions every January in Anaheim, that seemed like kind of a logical place to bring a show like this, you know. And uh, so we did that next year in 2011. And and. Uh, you did? Yeah, yeah, we did. It was only like four months later. That's how psyched I was. Like, oh, we just did it. That was great. September, man. Four months from now, damn, let's get a let's book a date, you know? So we did. And it was unknown. It was an unknown show. 
but it, it was a lot of the same drummers, some new bunch of badasses. Like I thank every drummer that's ever gotten on stage and played those shows because they are what makes it the show. You know, I can have an idea and if nobody shows up, it's just an idea. And, uh, you know, that's the, you know, it didn't happen, but with everybody's participation and, and, uh, you know, and I've learned a lot from it. You know, you, you, you've got to, uh, you got to keep it fun. You got to keep it organized. You, you know, we've all been involved in events where maybe it's a little sloppy or, you know, it's not, it's not all dialed in and, and it just gets confusing and people get frustrated, but you just got to keep your, keep your goal in mind and go, this is pretty simple. It, we're playing Zeppelin and there's a drum set that hopefully sounds sounds good and we uh you know each drummer gets up and plays a song that 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 idea that's not that hard of an idea but it's all the behind the scenes stuff and the organizing and and all the other things that come into play that <clears throat> take quite a bit of time and and focus but that was it man and and it just kind of became more or less an annual thing we've done it in between nam shows and in, in, uh, those january months uh, every year which I, I think we've almost done it every year maybe Maybe not 2012. I came off the row of White Snake and really wasn't thinking that much about it. And Nam came and went. And then we did it, I think, on really close to Bonham's birthday in, in May in Hollywood at the uh, House of Blues. So, but then soon after, it became an annual thing. Yeah. And, and we've done it on. Uh, and a big annual thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's great. It's great. Well, thank you. Thanks. Now, I do have uh, another interview in, in about uh, five minutes. So I'm going to ask you a couple more questions and we'll go sort of uh, rapid fire on this. Uh, I, you and I sort of came into each other's uh, world back in 1997 on the return of the Comet. Ace Fraley tribute album. You did the Rip It Out track, which was well. I got. Let me add in quickly. That's the second time that track was brought up in. Uh, what is it today? Went two days in probably forty-eight hours. I just was on uh, our buddy Eddie Trunk's show, and John Five was on. John brings up, "Hey Brian, that Rip It Out version you did back then. That was the great version." I was like, "Holy shit! How do you even know about that, John?" Well, he's a huge Kiss freak. John Five's massive Kiss fan. Knows everything. So. I didn't know it was that intense, but yeah, so he happened to bring that up, which, uh, yeah, man, that was a blast. And, uh, that was my first, uh, if anybody's listening that wants to go check it out, I think you can just type my name in with rip it out and you'll hear that version on YouTube. Uh, my first attempt at singing and I grew up on kiss and loved, love, Ace, absolutely love Ace's record and was floored the first time I heard rip it out. So, so getting that opportunity to, uh, cover the song, which I played all the instruments and sang on was, was, uh, uh, a lot of, it was a it was great fun but it was also a lot of pressure because i had never sang before so first of all uh, props to john five for knowing that and and of course uh, eddie eddie man he's carried the flag for rock and roll for 30 years so nothing but nothing but love for eddie but i i want to get to this because you did in 2009 not pay tribute to ace you got to play with Ace. You did the uh, anomaly album you did one track on that what was that like going from 1997, you know, being on an Ace tribute to actually being on an Ace album. And yes, of course, in between, you've worked with Slash and Foreigner and Ozzy. And, but there's something about Ace, right? Well, yeah, I mean, come on. That's, that's like, uh, like I said, that's Kiss was the first band. Those were my, those were the four gods of rock and roll. That was my first concert at Madison Square Garden, 1979. Dynasty Tour changed my life. You know, everything follows that that was that, that's heavy stuff so i've had the good fortune of you know opening up for them uh on tours uh 
meeting the guys. That's right, with the Dead Daisies. That's right. Yeah, yeah. We did a few kiss cruises and you know a few tours. Oh, look at that! You're living the charm life right there. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> if that's if that's what you want to call it, great. Yes. That's cool. But uh, yeah, man. So so we uh, I did drums to a foreigner record in 2009, and Marty Fredrickson, the producer. Had, literally had the ace track sitting there and said, I've got to finish this ace track. I've got to get drums on it. We just did all the drums of the Foreigners record. He brings this up and I go, he goes, you want to do it? I go, are you kidding me? Hell yeah. So it wasn't like I was in the studio with Ace and we all rehearsed and worked up a song. I I literally just played played the drums to the track. Of course, you know, Marty did his thing to it and you know brings it back to Ace. Ace is happy and there you go. But But yeah, it's very, very cool. To just know that somewhere from that ten-year-old kid hearing "Rip It Out," the, his debut, you know, solo record. You know, it was a Kiss record. It was a solo record. Uh, fast forward to whatever year, twenty-something years later. Was it eighty-nine? Two that thirty years later, whatever it is. Uh, man, yeah, it's just it's uh, it's nice. It's a nice. It's those those things. You know, they they they're worth as much as you know somebody. You know, you're, you're getting you know getting a gig where you're you know paid a bunch of money or whatever it's like that that means just as much it's, it means more actually it's just man that that's uh it's nice when those things happen it's nice when uh you know one of your idols is aware of who you are have seen what you've done and acknowledges it and it's that's uh it's you know it's just it's kind of like you know maybe that's a a little bit of uh you know uh the secrets secret secret to life <laughs> That that explains how you got on the Steven Tyler track it feels so good it must have been Marty who said hey Come on in. Marty, got to give, yeah, big, big props to Marty. As always, we've worked together a lot since the 90s and done a bunch of records together. But yeah, that was another, I'm working with Marty in the studio, doing the tracks, whatever project we're working on. And he says, I have this demo I need drums on. You want to check it out and get this going today? I go, yeah. He goes, I also have a song with Steven Tyler that I'm uh, working on and it really it's got a drum machine. How about, you know, we hit that tomorrow. Steven comes in, he does some background vocals or something on the track. He sits there and watches us, which is, was a whole other world of pressure because I hadn't met him yet. I think maybe I met him once cause pride and glory opened up for Daryl Smith, but it was more like a, Hey, what's up? See you later. Now we're in a studio together. It's a whole other three people alone in a studio. So, you know, which is stuff I live for, man. You want that pressure because those are amazing experiences and uh, you you quickly learn from and you hope you do well in. But, man, it was it was essentially a, a second take drum track played it through the first time and I sat there nervous thinking I was going to get fired because they kept playing the demo drums and then the take I had just done like back and forth, A, B, A, B. And I'm like, uh-oh, he's just not happy. Something's not right here, right? And then Steven gets on the talk back mic and goes, hey, you, you got another snare drum, something with more of a ring to it? And, and I was like, yes. And I heard what they meant. The snare drum on the demo was higher pitch. Ran over, grabbed a drum, cranked it up, had the ring. It was a higher pitch drum. Did the same track again, take two. And they played it, A beat it once and said, come on in and came in. And Stephen looked at me and said, great job and complimented me and made me feel, uh, made me feel very special. Just to, to get back to uh, Silverthorn real quick, first single, of course, uh, Tear the Sky Wide Open came out August 12th. When do we see the full album or the EP, should I say? Yeah, that'll be, we're, we're working on the exact release date now, but there'll be a, a second single in about a month coming out, a song called Black River Rising, which, uh, I, you know, we're editing a video now. It's, it's a, a whole other beast compared to the first single. Uh, I can't wait to get it out there because it's, you know, when you have one song out, that's all everybody knows. So what's the second song going to be? Is it going to kind of just be like plan B of the first song? This is, uh, 
it's in it's in the same world, but it is nothing like the first song. But I cannot wait for people to hear it. Uh, it's probably our favorite song. It wasn't the right song for a first single, but yeah, that'll be out uh, in about a month, and uh, we'll start some, you know, maybe a couple of weeks, start some video teasers for that. And uh, soon after that, we're gonna we're gonna have to figure out good 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 release date for the EP. So five song EP. Good. Well, uh, I don't know. March. March is always good. People are coming out of the uh, anyway. On that, as we say in Montreal, merci beaucoup. I, I unfortunately have to move over to a, a new or another interview, but uh, great pleasure. And uh, Silverthorn, man, I, I am stoked. I was stoked because you were on it, but now I'm like doubly stoked because Pete, man, motherfucker. I mean, no offense, but man, that guy's good. No, he's he's really good. And, I'm, and it's like, man, to find, you know, we can end it on this, to find, you know, in this business, there's tons of musicians and, and you know, if you're fortunate enough to get it, get in touch with the, 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 that group of people that make something special and you feel excited about, man, go for it and stick with it. You know, it's not, it's not easy. None of this stuff's easy. And we hear all those, uh, those, uh, well-known rock stars and, you know, super famous, this and that say, just as long as you focus, you know, there's no guarantees, you know, even just by really working hard and thinking you have something, there's just no guarantees, but you will, feel some sort of satisfaction if you you stay true to your your beliefs and your desires and your goals and ambitions if you if you just feel like you got one step ahead one step up it gives you that confidence to try and get to the next step and and that's what going for it you know no holds barred is you know and that, that's where we're at man we're we're a, we're a little little brand new band one guy in the UK a couple guys in LA <laughs> I rhyme there, man. I got to write a lyric out of that. But uh, yeah, you you got to rhyme there. But there you go. Uh, on that, as we say in Montreal, merci beaucoup. Uh, thank you. Great right. pleasure. Yeah, man. Uh, good talking to you, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Thank you, sir. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Rock Talk. 